Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. I'm glad you're joining us again this year. Why don't you join me on a Sunday morning at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. If you're looking for a new church home, now is the time to, to come along. You know, we're a friendly church, we preach the word of God and that's really all you need to be looking for. And right now, why don't you join me in the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this was his response. This is his model prayer. He said, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You know, in every congregation, there's at least one person with a broken heart. The function of the pastor, the shepherd, is to help bind up the brokenhearted. And the theme for our Tuesday evenings this month is, is there any good news for those who suffer? And today's message is titled, How Do You Face Trouble? It's a good question, isn't it? How do you face trouble? The text we're concentrating on is from Job, and it's Job 1, 20 to 21. It says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Verse 21, And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who would want to be Job with everything that he went through? But he had the right attitude, didn't he? The scriptures we're going to work through today are Job 1, 13 to 22. Let's read them together. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but let me encourage you, get your Bible and open it up and read with me. You can read from whichever version you like. It talks about Job losing his property and his children. Let's read it together. Verse 13 says, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So the day is not starting off well for Job, is it? Verse 16, and while he was still speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Day's getting a little bit worse for Job. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. How would you be feeling at this stage? Verse 18, And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. 
and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, it says in verse 22, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. How would we be if we were Job? Would we turn on God? Would we blame him for it? Let's pray for offering before we go any further. Details will be on the bottom of the screen if you're ready to sow your seed. Father, thank you for the privilege of giving to you for the glory of your name and cause. The words of Jesus are so true at this moment. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Thank you, Lord, for this heavenly blessing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this evening. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to sow, the details are on the bottom of the screen. Is there any good news for those who suffer? In times when trouble strikes, we need to take inventory to see if there's any good news that can cheer our hearts and help us to bear the burden of pain. Trouble and suffering are facts of life that at some stage we all must cope with, sooner or later. An incurable disease may even afflict someone we love or even ourselves. A financial disaster may wipe us out. A domestic tragedy may tear apart our home. Fatal accidents occur on life's highways, don't they? And there are dead-end streets where all hopeful expectations are brought to a sudden stop. How should Christians cope with the suffering and trouble? When trouble comes, some people turn to religion, hoping it will deepen and strengthen their faith. Others turn away from religion in disappointment and despair, and that's most often the one we see. Still others turn against religion in hate and cynicism. There's plenty of that, even within our churches. How many people do you know have left the church because they think God did something wrong to them? How do people cope with pain and trouble? Some yell and scream and swear. Some develop a headache and take a Panadol. Some drink or take drugs that enable them to escape the pain of reality, but only temporarily. Some pray and trust God. That's what we should be doing. What will you do when trouble comes? Will you turn to God? Will you turn against God? Let's take a look at Job today. The ultimate example of a man who struggled with suffering in times before Christ. First thing today is let's look at his character. Let's look at Job's character. Job is a dramatic illustration of one who experienced undeserved suffering. He is a striking example of how the innocent suffer or can suffer. He was a blameless man. Job was a blameless man. He was blameless in the eyes of God, in the eyes of others, and in his own eyes. He was upright. Job was straight and genuine and rich in his relationships. Job feared God. He was a reverent worshipper of God as he understood him. Remember, Christ wasn't on the scene at this stage. 
Job was a man who turned away from evil and there was no compromise in his life. Hallelujah for that. He's a good man. Our second thing this evening is, what was his position? Job lived in a time when people commonly believed that anyone who was good and did good would be happy and prosperous. Job was a good man and he was also happy and prosperous. Job was the best of the best. There was no one like him. He enjoyed great wealth. He had a wonderful family. Job was a priest in his own household. Job was the epitome of success and happiness. That was his position in life. But our third thing this evening is Job's calamity and suffering. It come upon him, didn't it? Suddenly Job experienced great suffering and catastrophe that was both undeserved and unexplained. Job suffered the loss of his property. Job suffered the tragic death of his children. Job experienced the loss of his health. He experienced bad counsel and advice from his wife. If, if we read further, who would want to be married to Job's wife the way she was talking to him? My goodness. Terrible. Essentially, he's telling him to go and commit suicide. Job endured the frustration of sincere friends who blundered in the efforts to comfort and counsel him. If I'm ever in Job's position, I hope his friends don't come to visit me because they weren't giving good counsel. They thought they were. Nonetheless, we should recognize that Job was fortunate in some respects. His friends did come. That required effort on their part. They sat in silence with him for seven days. I don't know if any of us could do that. Sometimes silence is the best way to support someone who's suffering. His friends gave the best advice that they knew to give, even though it wasn't great advice. It was the best advice that they knew to give. Basically, they said to him, Job, acknowledge your sinfulness, admit your hypocrisy, and confess your secret sins. Job's friends were philosophers and thinkers. And they offered him the best solutions that they knew for the complex issues that he faced. And Job and his friends believed that suffering was the result of sin and that people who suffered must have sinned. So this was the predominant thought pattern of the time. In the midst of his pain, Job held to his conviction regarding his personal integrity though. He was convinced that he did not deserve the suffering that he was experiencing. His suffering was totally out of proportion with any sin that which he might have been guilty. We learn from the book of Job as we study it in its entirety that suffering is not always the result of sin. We also learn from the book of Job that God is often blamed for tragedies and catastrophes and hurts for which he is not responsible. How many times have we heard or have we even said ourselves, why are you doing this to me, God? Maybe he's not. Job's friends came to him with suggestions that his offerings were the unavoidable, unavoidable consequence of some great flaw in his character and his, his beliefs and in his conduct. Job was patient in the sense that he held on to his integrity and denied that his sufferings were due to some great sin in his life. No matter what everyone around him was saying, he held on to his integrity. When suffering comes to us, 
we must hold on to that conviction that God is love and that God is good. We must believe that God always acts in conformity with his good character, not ours, his. As we finish up this evening, let me ask a couple of questions of you. How will you handle trouble? Will it bring you closer to God, closer to Christ, or will it turn us against Christ? Several suggestions may be helpful to us as we consider the possibility of suffering in the future. And there will be suffering in the future, I can assure you of that. First, let's get acquainted with Christ as Saviour, Teacher, Friend and Helper. Let's get acquainted with Him. Let's study the example of Jesus Christ as He dealt with the pain and suffering of others. And let's be assured that He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Before suffering comes, we need to develop some resources to assist us in times of trouble. In the same way we take out home insurance, let's take out some spiritual insurance here. First, we must develop the daily habit of quiet time in which we let God speak to us from his word. That means we need to be reading our Bible. Second, we must let prayer be a conversation with God in which we not only speak with him, but let him speak to us. Don't just ask God for stuff. Sit and wait to hear from him, to see what he's got to say. And the third suggestion I've got for you this evening is we need to persist, participate regularly in public worship and allow God to use his time to draw us closer to him. That means you need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. And you need to go to church and be involved. Don't just turn up and warm a pew. The fourth thing is to develop a genuine Christian friendship with other members of the family of God. So they may be the medium of God's ministry to us when trouble comes. You need to be part of the church and build relationships within the church. We must expect the angels of God to come in our time of need. In the meantime, we must not be anxious about trouble that may come in the future. Why worry about it? If you know where your eternity is, why do you worry about trouble? Let's determine tonight to live now for the highest and the best under the leadership of the risen Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, as I do every time, every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that, otherwise you wouldn't be watching or listening to this. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings. Thank you.